Welcome to episode 17 of Using Your Brain for Success, the show that's all about helping you build a better life by using your brain the right way. I'm Liam Naden, and I'm glad you're here. Now, if you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast, you'll know by now a bit about my story. And you'll know that I've, throughout my life, been a student of success, studying all sorts of different approaches, trying to figure out the answer to this question, how do we get the results we really do in our life, and how can we really be happy and successful? You'll also know that in my mid-40s, I lost everything. And that really shouldn't have happened. It was a puzzle to me because being a student of success, I thought I was in control of my life. But I lost everything. I became homeless, penniless. And then I went through a process of rebuilding my life. And what I noticed, I was getting much better results, better relationship, better business opportunities, and doing all of the things I love to do, and many of the things I didn't even know I wanted to do, but found I really loved them. And best of all, I wasn't having the stress, problems, anxiety, and worry that I had before. And then I tried to figure it out. What really happened to me? And the things that I discovered when I started to apply them to my own life, I not only got better results, but I began to share it with other people and they got great results as well. And one of the really fascinating things when I really started to dig deeply into the subject of why I was getting much better results was the one thing that amazed me was just how many of the ideas that I was coming across were contained in religious teachings and especially in the Bible. Now, the Bible is the one I'm the most familiar with because I was brought up a Christian, but many of the same ideas are shared throughout religions. But what I also realized was that these ideas had become obscured and misinterpreted and it's really why they weren't as effective as how they were intended to be. Now, for instance, prayer. You know, I was brought up to believe, ask for what you want, pray to God and God will give it to you. But my experience was that didn't really work. I'd pray for things and I didn't get them. And in fact, most of the time what I prayed for, I didn't get. And this idea didn't really seem to work for other people either. I knew lots of people who prayed for things and they didn't seem any happier or more successful than anyone else. And if you're really honest with yourself, if you pray, how often does it work for you? Do you really get everything that you ask for? Not really, do you? So if, that's, if prayer isn't effective, that really leaves two possibilities. Either the Bible is wrong or it's being misinterpreted and misunderstood as to the true meaning of prayer and, in fact, how we live our life. And I'm going to show you in this episode that much of what we've been taught about living our life is simply a misinterpretation. It's not that the Bible's wrong. It's not that these things don't work. It's not that prayer doesn't work. It's just we've never been taught how to make it work. So we're going to look at why prayer does and doesn't work. And we're also going to look at some of the other teachings that are contained in the Bible to see how they can really help us and what their true meaning is for the creation of a great life for us. And even if you yourself don't pray or if you're not religious or if you have a, come from a different religious tradition, I think you're going to find that the ideas in this podcast are still of great help and use to you to becoming more effective at getting what you want in your life and stop getting what you don't want. Now, before we get into it, let's just have a quick recap about what we know about your brain and how it's designed to help you succeed 
and live without problems. Now remember there are essentially four parts to your brain. There's the thinking part of your brain, which is where all your thoughts and all the information is stored. There's the emotional part of your brain, which is responsible for creating your feelings, good and bad. And there's the mechanical part of your brain, what could also be called the doing part. This is the part that's responsible for keeping your machine moving without you having to think about it. So all of the unconscious processes that happen in your body. And this is also where your fight flight mechanism, which is to respond to danger, that's where that's contained as well. And there's a fourth part of your brain, which is your creative brain. And this is where you get all the ideas, intuitions, gut feelings, better ways to do things. It's where your higher awareness resides. And it's also responsible for bringing to you the right circumstances and conditions for your ideal life. And we know that if you use these four parts correctly, your life flows easily and joyfully. But if you use them the wrong way, you experience, like any with, with any machine, use the wrong way, and your brain is a machine. When you use it the wrong way, you're going to experience problems. And of course, the right way to use your brain is to operate from your creative brain. And what interferes with this? Well, of course, it's fear. Fear stops you from operating correctly using your creative brain, and it causes you to operate from the survival, fight or flight part of your brain. And this has all sorts of negative consequences. It makes you see things worse than they are. You lose your perspective and it blocks your access to all of your problem solving resources, such as your creativity, your awareness, intuition, courage and motivation. So we know the problem. When you're in a stressed or anxious state, you don't have access to your brain's full resources to solve the problems in your life. These resources simply aren't available to you. Okay, so what does the Bible say about all of this? Well, above all else, the Bible tells you to avoid fear. And in fact, it says in the Bible more than 300 times, someone's actually counted, more than 300 times it says in the Bible, be not afraid. Have faith. Be not afraid. Fear is the number one enemy. And in fact, it's your only true enemy because fear blocks off your creative brain's functioning and stops you being able to solve your problems and live your ideal life. So in addition to saying be not afraid, does it go to any, into any more detail? Well, yes, it does. And here's a very powerful quote and an instruction, if you like, on how to use your brain in which Jesus said, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, there's a lot to unpack from this very powerful quote, but what it's essentially showing is many of the ways that fear manifests in your life, all of which are getting in the way of you living the way you're supposed to live and for you to be able not only to survive, but to thrive. So let's have a look at some of these. And what are some of the ways in which fear is manifested in your life? Well, one of them is actually needing outcomes and trying to force outcomes into your life. If you really look at this quote and what Jesus is saying in here is, don't be anxious and ask what you eat or what shall you drink or what shall you wear. In other words, try, don't try and define what you think you need to be happy because your father god which is accessed through your creative brain it knows the answer to all of these things so you don't need to be anxious about what you think you need but most people are aren't they most people have a specific outcome that they think they need that will make them happy and this is the other problem that's highlighted in this quote and that is by trying to use your thinking brain rather than your creative brain you know, most of the time, if we have a problem in our life, what do we do? We try and figure out a solution. We try and come up with all of the, we try to come up with an idea or ways that we think we can solve this problem. But we do it all through thinking. And a lot of the time, we, we, all we do is think about our problem. But by trying to figure stuff out, you're not letting go. You're being anxious because you're in a state when you're trying to figure stuff out. You're usually in a state of fear and anxiety. And that is blocking your creative brain's ability to give you the right answer. And the right answer is not going to be in your thinking brain. Your right answer is going to come from somewhere else completely. And you might have had that experience when you have a sudden way of seeing something differently or a creative idea for a solution to a problem. It doesn't come from your thoughts. So this is, shows again that it's your creative brain that does the work, which is not accessed when you're anxious. Well, here's another thing that this passage from the Bible points out, and that is where it says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. So what's really happening here? What's happening when you think about tomorrow? What's one of the main ways we think about tomorrow? Well, isn't it in setting goals? Isn't it trying to plan ahead? Isn't it trying to think ahead and figure out where we want to go and what we think we need and how we think we need to get there? Isn't it interesting? It's talking about you don't need to do that. In fact, you not only don't need to do that, you shouldn't do that. And there's been more and more research and more and more stuff written about how setting goals is actually self-sabotage. Setting goals is not the way to live your life because most of the time, and we could talk about this in another podcast, setting goals are counterproductive. And all that's really happening when you set a goal most of the time is it's reflecting your anxiety, your lack of trust, your inability to focus on the present moment because you're worried that you need to plan for something in the future. It might not go to your liking, all of which means you're using your fear-based brain rather than your creative brain. So all of this is pointing to why fear is the enemy. When you think about it, when Jesus went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights before his crucifixion and resurrection, he went to battle with the devil, so the Bible says. But who or what was he really battling with? Well, he was battling with his own fears. 
and it was his own fears that he had to come to be worthy of glory. And of course, he faced and overcome the greatest human fear of all, which is death. Now, another passage from the Bible which gives a different perspective and understanding on how and why we must eliminate fear and anxiety to be able to unlock our creative brain and live our ideal life is where, where Jesus says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And he said further, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Well, he says here, Be like little children. But what are little children really like? Well, when you think about little children that you might know, or when you were a little child, how did you actually live? Didn't you live in the moment? Didn't you actually give no thought for tomorrow? That's what, if you observe little children, that's what they do. They're just enjoying their life. They're responding to what is in the present. They have much less fear than we do as adults. And they have a sense of wonder and of adventure about what is actually going on. What is here right now? And they're not busy setting goals, they're not planning, they're not trying to figure out what to do and be strategic about their life and, and analyse their life. Now, of course, sometimes a certain amount of planning is necessary, but if you really think about it, most planning is actually not necessary and it's counterproductive. This is probably a topic for another podcast, but think about how many of your goals and plans that you've made that haven't come to fruition, or if they have, they, they really didn't give you all of the happiness you thought they would. And also how much time you spend planning and implementing, you know, keeping busy without really seeing measurably better results. So being like little children means being in your creative brain, being in the flow of life, accepting what is, not being anxious and not being anxious about tomorrow. And tomorrow doesn't necessarily mean, you know, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow is the next moment after this one. There's another interesting thing about this quote, because what Jesus says here is about what little children have that you don't have. They have the kingdom of heaven. So what Jesus is actually saying is you need to become like a little child if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. So the first question is, what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, he also answers that. He says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And in fact, Jesus said in Luke, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So what is within you? Isn't it your feelings and your emotional state? Isn't it your feelings of love, gratitude, fulfillment? Isn't that really the kingdom of heaven? And the opposite is your feelings of fear, anxiety, discontent and unhappiness. So when you're experiencing the kingdom of heaven, you're in your natural creative state. You're in the flow of, of life as it actually is, rather than being driven by your fears. So isn't this so important? I think the Bible is very, very explicit once we start to understand it, that fear, living in fear, is not our natural way to live. It's not the way we're designed to live. And it's the not, not the way we can be our best, our happiest, our strongest, and the best version of ourselves that we can be. Now, you might be thinking about another quote from the Bible which is, but hang on, what about the quote, ask and you will receive? And you might be saying, hang on, Liam, doesn't that really contradict the idea of just letting go and, and not having goals? Because really, doesn't that say that you can get anything you want? And surely that does mean that if you just pray and you ask for what you want, then you're going to receive it. That's exactly what the Bible says, isn't it? And aren't you perhaps also thinking, 
you know, I'd rather solve my problems that way if you don't mind. I'd rather just have, if it says ask and you will receive, I'd rather ask for my problem to be solved rather than having to go through what seems like a long process of trying to remove my fears and stop planning for the future and letting go and trusting. It'd be much easier if I could just get what I asked for. Well, if you really think it through, ask and you will receive isn't actually true on the face of it, is it? Because if you're really honest, and I said this earlier, you don't automatically and always get what you ask for. In fact, we hardly ever do. And if you look at people around the world, many, many times people are saying they're praying for something, but are, are they getting the results they really want? And you have to be really honest here. So there's only two, two explanations for this as to why this phrase or this quote, ask and you will, or this instruction, ask and you will receive, doesn't seem to be true. Either the Bible is wrong and they're lying to you, or the other explanation is it's, you're misinterpreting it. You're taking it out of context and not understanding what it truly means. And of course, the latter is the correct answer because it makes perfect sense if it's seen in the context of the other teachings of Jesus and in the Bible. Because, the, because here's the thing, ask and you will receive is actually true, but you have to do two things. Firstly, you have to ask in the right way. And that means using your brain the right way. And the second thing is you have to ask for the right things. But here's the really interesting part. And that is when you ask in the right way, that automatically ensures that you're only going to ask for the right things. You're not going to ask for the wrong things. Because asking in the right way only comes from using your brain in the right way. And what that means is when you're in your creative state, when you have feelings of trust, gratitude, love, joy, you have a greater awareness of what's actually true. And therefore, you know the right things to ask for. You automatically want the right things and you don't want the wrong things. And you can see what you really need and what you really want so that you are the happiest and best that you can be. And I'm sure we've been, everyone's been in that situation where you've wanted something, you've really worked hard for it, and you've put a lot of effort and stress and strain, and you've got it, and you've thought, apart from an initial euphoria maybe, or a good feeling to, for a short while, you've thought, actually, this hasn't made me as good as I thought it would make me feel at all. I still feel stressed and worried. Why aren't I happy when I've worked so hard for this thing, and I've really thought it would make me happy, and I'm not that happy? Maybe I want something else. Maybe I need to go on and, and set a goal for something else. And that's the ro roller coaster that most people are on. But when you're in this creative state, you can see what you really need so that when you get it, firstly, you only ask, therefore, for what you really need, and you only get the opportunities and the insights to get what you really need and really want. But when you get it, you truly are happy. And in your creative state, you can see the truth about your situation as it is right now, about whether that job or that relationship is actually worth chasing or whatever goal it is, it's whether it's worth your time and effort to actually try to achieve. And the other thing is you don't doubt it. You, you know on a deep level that this goal is right for you. Because here's the thing, if you ask for something and when you doubt it, firstly, you're saying you don't really believe. And remember, it says, be not afraid, believe, trust. So when you doubt, doubt blocks your request because doubt indicates fear, which means you're not operating from your creative brain. So what that means is you can only ask for and you will only ask for 
what is right for you when you're in the right brain state. You know, why is it that millions of people around the world profess to believe in the teachings of the Bible, yet they act in a way which shows they don't? Isn't that puzzling? People are told in the Bible, be not afraid, do not be anxious of tomorrow, be like little children, trust, have faith. But they are afraid, they are anxious, they do worry about the future, they do try and make plans for the future. Even though in the Bible it says specifically you should not do these things. And of course, most people, or many people, are afraid of what is perhaps the biggest fear of all, and that's the fear of death. And this is perhaps the most illogical fear that we could possibly have, because we're taught that there are, we're not only taught in the Bible that there is life after death, but we're taught that what lies beyond death is much better than what we're currently experiencing. And this is actually verified by science. There have been more than 10,000 documented cases of near-death experiences where people have died on the operating table or in a hospital and they've been brought back to life by the doctors. And in virtually every case, almost the first thing the person has said when they've come back through that experience is, why did you bring me back? It was so much better over there what I was experiencing. I can see what the other side of life and death really holds. And it really has changed those people profoundly. So, of course, the reason people are still afraid and anxious, even though they're instructed not to be, is that they, it all comes down to a lack of understanding. A lack of understanding of how their brain really works and how it's designed to not make life a problem for them. It's designed to make them like for the little children, an adventure, not a trial, not a struggle, but an adventure. And they also have a lack of understanding of how this relates to what's taught in the Bible. You know, we just haven't been taught how our brain really works and how it's the ultimate tool that's been given to us, not only to survive in this world, but to be the best that we can be, be our healthiest, be our strongest, be the happiest possible and to enjoy it to the highest degree. And there's another reason for this as well, why people are still anxious and afraid, even though we're taught not to be. And that is when you're already in a fearful state, you can't see the truth. Remember, it's only when you're able to use your creative brain, which you can only use when you're not in a fearful state, that you see the truth of, of everything around you. And this is why fear is such a powerful tool of control, because those who seek power over you know that fear takes away your own power. Now, when you use your brain the right way, your awareness shifts and the truth becomes revealed. When you use your brain the right way, your awareness shifts and the truth becomes revealed. Fear falls away, and in its place, you see the reality that you are actually in control of your life. As Again, as it says in the Bible, if you continue in my word, you are my true disciples. In other words, if you continue to understand the truth of what's been explained in the Bible, in other words, if you understand what is really written in the Bible, then you really will be in control of your own life. And as it continues on in the Bible and says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, that's all for this episode of Using Your Brain for Success. I look forward to sharing more with you all about who you really are and the enormous power of your brain. And if you'd like to learn more about how to use your brain the right way and become the master of your own life, check out my website, liamnaden.com and learn about neurostate rebalancing, which is a process of using your brain the right way. I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Bye for now.